0: Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, I, I knew I could win if I preached a Mother's Day sermon, so I scratched that off. And we're going to preach on patience, patience. There are very little things in this life I cannot afford, and patience is one of them. Larry Hagman. Patience is the ability to idle your motor when you feel like stripping your gears. Someone said, I wish I was as thin as my patience Honestly, make up your mind because I'm done with patience or being patient. Ephesians four two tells us always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. James five seven be patient with Then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. Then Galatians 5.22 reminds us that patience is actually a gift. You were not born with patience. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit... In our lives, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. James 5, 7 teaches us, be patient. Well, last week, Jacob started this new series called Building Believers Loving One Another. By the way, love is one of the evidences that you love Jesus Christ. Actually, the Bible says love is patience. You know, it's not because we said a prayer, Jesus come into my heart. Now I'm saved and you go on your own merry way and everybody's scratching their heads they're saying, this person said they love God, but I, I don't see any evidence in their lives. So, love Is one of the key building blocks in a believer's life that proves you love Jesus, but especially the body of Christ. We're talking about the body of Christ. Secondly, love is patient, it is part of the proof, part of the evidence that you love God. You see, action is required in order to say, I'm a believer. You don't believe that? James 2 reminds us. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't have patience? Well, it says, but don't show it by your actions. You don't love the brothers or sisters. You don't love, you don't have patience. Can that kind of faith save anyone? I said a prayer, Jesus come into my heart and save me, but yet you don't love the believers, you don't love one another and you don't have patience with one another now suppose he's appealing to our common sense suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day stay warm and eat well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing Well, what good does that do you say again you love Jesus Christ And you don't show any love. Now, I know I'm speaking to the choir here, but just turn on the news and you will not see love at all. Just go out there in the traffic on a weekday during 8 o'clock and 6 o'clock at night and you'll see all that love just oozing from those drivers. Well, he continues to remind us, so you see, faith by itself, just saying a prayer by itself is not evidence that you love God. It's because you love one another and we are patient with one another. That's the proof. That's the evidence. So faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some have faith and Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? You don't have any love. You don't have any patience. Well, I will show you my faith by my good deeds, by my love, by my patience. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? You say you love God. The evidence, the proof, the building block in a believer's life is that you love the believers. Think about before you got saved. How many people did you really love? I didn't love anybody. I didn't even know if I loved myself. So, you see, it's one of the pieces of evidence that you love God. Being patient with one another is behaving differently, especially to the people that love Christ. I like these little pictures. I think we have them. <clears throat> it says, Lord, grant me the patience and please hurry. <laughs> have you ever asked for patience? What about this one? <clears throat> waiting is a sign of true love and patience. Anyone can say, I love you. Again, anyone can say, I love God. I love you. But not everyone can wait and prove it's true. There are two words in the Greek that teach us about the word patience. You see, in the English translation, there's only one word that translates patience. But in the Greek, makrothumia, it is often translated long-suffering, long-tempered, Taking time to boil. The Greek word always means to have patience with one another. Tony Evans said, patience is setting the timer for extra time. The other Greek word, hupomeo, is translated perseverance. means patience toward things and circumstances. But I want to talk to you a little bit about Macrothumia, which means long tempered. Patience is the ability not only to wait, but the ability to wait with a good attitude while waiting. Charles Stanley defined patience in three words willing to wait, willing to wait. It also is the ability to sit back and wait for an expected outcome without experiencing anxiety, tension, and frustration. We have felt that in the last two years, haven't we? It is also, secondly, the ability to let go of your need for immediate gratification and be willing to wait, like a promotion or waiting to be intimate until you find out about that significant other. All the baggage that they bring to this relationship, you're going to be blind to it and say, no, I'm not going to wait. I want instant gratification. Only to find out later that you weren't fit for each other. Patience is the trait that displays tolerance, compassion, understanding, and acceptance toward those who are slower than you in developing maturity. Also, patience is the ability to remain calm during turmoil, during a storm, because you know that God is in control. So we're going to look at two things this morning, people's patience and God's patience. Colossians 3.12 reminds us, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, You must clothe yourself. That means when you wake up in the morning, get dressed with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, Clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Okay, are you patient? Are you a patient person? Just ask your spouse next to you and ask him. You're going to find out. Ask him. Am I a patient person? Ask him. You're going to find out the real answer. I won't ask you across the aisle, honey. Are you patient with me or am I patient with you? So we're going to take a little test. We're going to take a test and you get, you get a point if you say, I I, I am seldom impatient and, or you get a negative point if you are frequently impatient and, uh, well, never, uh, I think you're a liar and you don't belong in here. You never get impatient. So are you ready to take the test? Okay. Number one, do you get impatient with people? Do you get impatient? Now, I want you to mark it down. You can put it in your notes. Mark it down on a piece of paper. I seldom get impatient with people, or I frequently get impatient with people. Okay, how'd you score? How often do you fly off at the handle? Seldom, never, or frequently? Proverbs 15, 8 reminds us a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict. But, this, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Another passage, James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must always be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So do you fly off the handle a lot? Seldom, never, or frequently. Number three, how often do you speak harshly to others? Didn't think your words would hurt. Remember, sticks and bones may break my bones, but words will never hurt. Well, that doesn't fly today. Proverbs 51, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you speak harshly to others? How would you score? Seldom or frequently? Does your temperature rise when you have to repeat over and over and over again to your spouse something? Honey, I told you to do this. Or your children, I told you to do this. Or the coach berates the athlete or a teacher, chastises a student over and over again. An elderly man had a serious hearing problem, and the kids over and over said, You need a hearing aid. Dad, you need a hearing aid. Grandpa, you need a hearing aid. His family tried again and again to convince him to get a hearing aid. Finally, he relented. He went to the doctor and was fitted for a set of hearing aids that allowed him to hear 100%. A month later, he went back to the doctor. The doctor said with a smile, Your hearing is perfect. Your family must really be pleased that you can hear again. The old man replied, oh, I haven't told my family yet. I just sit around and listen to their conversation, and I've changed my will three times. Is that what you do, Mom? When <laughs> all the boys get together? How did you score on that? Does your temperature rise when you have to repeat something? about, oh, here's one that's going to get everyone... Do drivers make you lose your patience? (laughs) Man, there's a lot of those on the road. I hope there's none in here. It's especially challenging on the way home when we go down Old Hiatus Road. I've told you that. And someone sits at that light for it seems like six, seven minutes, and you want to lay on the horn, but because you love Jesus, you don't. It reminds me of the cop that stopped this lady. He had a bumper sticker, and he arrested her and put her in jail. Finally, about two hours later, he laid her out and said, ma'am, I apologize. I apologize to you. You see, you had a bumper sticker that said, I love Jesus, and the way you were acting, I thought someone stole your car, so I arrested you. <laughs> How did you do on that one? Listen, my life has radically changed in in." in my driving and being patient with other people. Okay, number six. Do you hold people's quirks or past mistakes against them? Are you patient with people's quirks? Or I mean, think about the toothpaste in the bathroom and that doesn't have the lid on. Or you you squeeze it the wrong way. Or the toilet paper, we've talked about this before, isn't put on top, it's dried from the bottom. Uh, Another one. Your spouse is always, always late when you're ready to go somewhere. I wonder which one that is. Are you patient with other people's quirks? Ephesians 4.32 reminds us, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Do you frequently get irritated with other people's quirks? Perhaps your spouse always likes to change during the commercials to something else, and that irritates you, and you fly off the handle. How about this one, number seven? Do you lose it when someone corrects you? Proverbs 9, do not rebuke mockers, or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise, and they will love you. Instruct the wise, and they'll be wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will add to their learning. Well, how often do you lose it when someone corrects you? Frequently or seldom? How about this one? This is another good restaurants. When you're at a restaurant and the service is slow or not up to your personal standards, what happens? Do you get impatient with the waitress or waiter or the cook? Uh, especially today, service takes a long time. I wouldn't say anything, Are you going to get some free stuff in your food. <laughs> Be patient with those people. They can't find anybody to work. Number nine. Oh, I, I kind of hate to even say this one, but do you use vulgar language or curse when you get impatient? Hmm. You know, when your child's playing a sport and you get mad at the referee or the umpire? Or. You get mad at the coach for not putting your son or daughter in the game when you think they ought to be in? You think you need not be reminded of this. A saint cursing because they get impatient. Think about the apostle Peter. He got impatient when some squirmy young girl kept asking him,
1: you know him,
0: you know him, don't you? And he had already denied it Twice. And he denied it a third time using vulgarity. Here's what the scripture teaches us about that. Matthew 26. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Wow. This is the same man that walked on water. This is the same man that was there at the Mount of Transfiguration. Cursed. I don't know about you, but that gives us hope, doesn't it? God forgave Peter. He'll forgive you and me of what we've done. Have you been impatient? How do you score on that one? You don't use vulgarity. When things don't go your way and you get impatient. The last one. How about when others... Don't behave like you expect them to behave. You want justice now. Well, there's another biblical example of that, when people did not behave like the apostles thought they should behave towards Jesus in Luke 9. You remember the Samaritans were half-breed Jews, and the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritans. Samaritans didn't like the Jewish people. Here's what the scripture says teaches us about that situation. As the time drew near for Jesus, for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to the Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. And when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, lord said we call down fire from heaven to burn them up but jesus turned and rebuked them so they went on to another village i wonder how many people would be burnt up if what you said about your impatience with other people came true how many people would be alive thank god you don't have that power and i don't have that power Remember, patience gives evidence that you love the Father and you love one another. It is evidence. It is fruit. I- I need to, you need to look at me, and I need to look at you and see that fruit in your life. If you don't think we should be able to do that, then you have trouble with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, watch out for the false prophets or false believers, for they come to you in cheap clothing But inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. Now, he's saying this about religious leaders, teachers, pastors, preachers of that day. If it was in that day when Jesus walked the face of the earth, when God walked the face of the earth, do you think it's any different today? He continues, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A believer in Jesus Christ, so I want to ask you, how did you do on this test? How many got a 100? Raise your hand. We you got a hundred. How many got a 90? I I said high score. Okay, you got a high score.. <laughs> how many didn't pass? Did oh, I see a, a couple honest people out there. How many flunked? You need to get saved. <laughs> Patience. Now, we had fun with this, but Jesus is reminding us, if you know me and you identify yourself with me, part of the building blocks of a believer is that you love one another. I love the body of Christ. And I cannot stand when people say, them Christians are the worst people in the world. You better stand up and defend believers in Jesus Christ because they're the greatest people in the world. You probably bumped into a false one. And they give Jesus a bad name and the church a bad name. But believers are the greatest people in the world to do business with and to marry. I know when I looked for a wife, I wanted a wife above all things, above looks, above whether she had wealth or not. She had to love Jesus Christ more than anything in the world. But I love Jesus more than I love my wife. I proved it on my wedding night the next day, we were in church and in Sunday school. I love the church more than I love my wife. And if you do that properly, then you'll probably love your spouse properly. Now, I wonder how you've been patient. You're a patient person. You pass, perhaps. You got to see or above. I wonder how patient you are with God. How patient are you with God? How about has God told you you've been praying about something and You're itching to pull the trigger, perhaps, to purchase a nice vehicle. Purchase a home. Get married to someone. And uh, you you want a raise from the boss. And, And you've been asking God. Some of you have been asking for other things here in the church. And you did not wait on God. You've been praying, and you say, "Okay, God, God's not answering, so I, I, I'm going to take matters into my own hands." How did it turn out when you took matters into your own hands? Do you remember? Do you remember King Saul? God made him king, the first king over all Israel, and uh, he was going to go to battle, and he was told to wait seven days, or wait till Samuel the prophet, the judge came to offer a sacrifice to the Lord so they could inquire what God wanted them to do, their next move. Well, it it seemed like he waited a long time, almost seven days. And just before the answer was coming, he decided to take matters into his own hands. And he offered an unauthorized sacrifice that only the priest and the prophets were allowed to do. What happened to King Saul? His presidency or kingship was ripped from him, and God said, I'm going to give it to someone, a man after my own heart. Are you patient with the request you have lifted up to God? Prayers. It reminds me of someone else. You remember Mary and Mary Magdalene, when their brother got sick? And Jesus was far away, and they put up a prayer request. Actually, they sent an email or a text. Well, no, they didn't have that back then. I forgot. They sent a messenger to Jesus and said, Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. They knew Jesus could heal. Jesus did not answer. Lazarus died. Grieving's going on. Jesus shows up three days later. And they're screaming and crying at him. Jesus, you could have saved Lazarus. You could have healed him. They were impatient. But Jesus had something better in store. He didn't just make him physically well. He raised them from The dead, proving he had the power to give life, and only God has the power to give life. You see, sometimes you're tempted to meet that need yourself instead of waiting on God to give you his best, and you and me settled for second best. It could be in marrying someone. How about God's timing? Are you patient with God's timing? I think many of us struggle with this. We want it now. It always reminds me of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, those brats that were on display, and they showed their impatience. Just remember this. God promised Abraham a child, and I know there are people here that have been praying for a child. I don't know what God's answer is going to be, but I know he did answer Abraham. The next day? The next week? The next month? The next year? And between that time, guess what? Sarah decided she'd fix the problem for God. And you know, it's one of those gray areas where you're not really having sex with someone else. This is sort of like a surrogate. or I'm going to give you my... My handmaid, go ahead, have sexing. Give me a baby. It was 20 years later that God answered his prayer and gave him that miracle child that Sarah couldn't have. But because Sarah took the matter, and Abraham has to get some of the blame, he didn't, I mean, okay, honey, I'll go. I mean, he, he went willingly, it seemed like, and they had a child. Guess what? We're paying the price today for that big, big mistake. Today, the Arabs and the Jews are still fighting. He took matter in their own hands. Have you ever taken matters into your own hands and you did not wait upon God? He wants to refresh your memory that his timing is not your timing. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. Think about Joseph. He gave him a dream as a child. You're going to rule over your mom, your dad, and your brothers. In fact, he told his brothers that dream. Don't, if you have a dream like that, don't tell your brothers or sisters. <laughs> How many years later was it? Before he actually ruled through all the turmoil and trouble. Perhaps if he kept it close to the vest, maybe he wouldn't have had to go through all those things that he went through. False accused from his boss and his boss's wife. Thrown in jails, brothers tried to kill him. Finally, the prayer was answered 13 years later when he became 30 years old. You see, God's timing is not our timing. You must remember that again. Take comfort in the fact that God said a thousand years is but a day with man. It's actually only been two or three days since Jesus died and rose again from God's vantage point. David was announced when he was 15 to 17 years old, somewhere in there, that he would be king of Israel. He would become the next king. And it wasn't until how many years later he actually became king. Somewhere around 13, 14 years later, he became king of all Israel. Remember the promise in Isaiah 40, 31. This will help. Every believer, Jesus is reminding us, but they, you need a prayer that needs to be answered? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I remember always being discouraged when I would kneel down outside or in a school when I first came down here, that was our first church, and I used to go around looking at all the buildings and say, God, how come I can't have a building to pastor in? How come I'm out there in the grass or in the highways and the byways or in the schools or in some trailer or in some little building? And I, and I would just grieve and cry. I wish I would have waited with patience and calmness for what God had in store. me down the road and now we sit in a building when I had nothing and was nothing that God's given us the six seven million dollar building that's paid for in a wonderful beautiful place so that we can worship him I wish I would have waited with that kind of calmness you see God has something in store for you when you wait upon the Lord for whatever it is that he believes that you need in your life He's waiting for you. What about the storms in your life? Remember, we talked about this about three weeks ago. Are you patient in the trials and in the storms that God has you in? Or are you asking God, get rid of this storm, get rid of this trial? Are you willing to learn from Job and his wife? Now, there was a mama that didn't have patience. Remember the story? When Satan went before God and said, I know Job loves you. Look what you've done. You've blessed him in every way possible. Take all that away and he'll curse you to your face. And Job 1 reminds us when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and and they are dead, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you this. A messenger reminds them of this. After everything was destroyed, everything was taken from him, including his children. At this, I wonder what you would do and I would do. Would we be patient to see what God was up to? I know some of us have lost a loved one, and I know many people have walked away from God Because they were mad at God because he allowed their loved one to die. Did they not remember the command? It is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. Everyone is going to die. But in this case, here's how Job responded when God took his children Naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Wow. God takes something away from you. A job, a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a home. He allows these things to happen. If it's your fault or he allowed it to happen, if you're a believer, remember, he'll make all things work for the good. So even in your wrong decisions, God, you, be patient. God can make something good out of it. Job determined not to curse God. He was patient as he waited upon God. Now his wife, that's a different story. His wife was not as patient as Job. Job went, excuse me, Satan went before God again. He said, okay, you've taken everything away from him, but go ahead and attack his flesh. And if you do this, he will curse you, God. Hmm, God gave him permission. Aren't we glad we have the book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible? And because of Job's patience, we glean from these truths and apply it to our own lives and our own situation. The scripture teaches us in Job 2, so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. And then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he did. Are you and me patient with God? Or do we get mad at God because of a storm that we're in? Or because of an illness that we have been inflicted with? Or because of perhaps a job that we lost? Are we mad at God? because we, he did not fulfill our dreams. Be patient with God, believer. It's one of the building blocks in a believer's life. It is evidence that you love God and love the body of Christ. Just briefly, the patience of God. Let's learn. We learn from Job. Why don't we learn from God? Is God patient with sin? Is God patient with sinners? You know, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, he didn't run in there with a sword and butcher them and kill them. Instead, he killed an innocent animal, signifying that one day he himself would shed his own blood to cover their rebellion and their sin against him. And every man and every woman has sinned against God and rebelled against God and deserve hell and deserve judgment. But back in the garden, before God ever created the world, before the foundations of the world, Christ died for us. 2 Peter 3, 9 reminds us, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know why God hasn't judged this planet yet? Because there are many, many people that still are going to believe in Jesus Christ. And he wants to use you. He wants to use this church. He wants to use your family. He wants to use you on your job to bring those people home before it's too late. He actually says today in in Corinthians 6, 2, at just the right time. He said, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day Of salvation. Too many people hear from their parents about Jesus. Too many teenagers hear about their about from their parents about Jesus. And then they go off to college. I know we just went to a graduation yesterday. But do you realize how many people walk away from their faith when they go to college? They forget everything their family taught them. Some people have been taught to accept Christ as their savior and they keep putting it off, putting it off, or they just come to church because it pleases mom and daddy, or they go to youth group because it pleases mom and daddy. And they've never made that decision. God said today, today, today is the day of salvation. Perhaps you've been witnessed to by a coworker or by your neighbor. Perhaps you're here today because someone invited you to be here. And someone has been telling you, wow, there's judgment coming. The end of the world's coming. Hey, just look over across the waters and if one atomic bomb goes off, we're in a heap of trouble. Many people believe we're living in the last days. Now's the day to make that decision before it's too late. I would never trade shoes with any, any person in the world because I don't know what their destiny is. It may be too late if you don't make that decision today. He is patient with sinners. And finally, the last thing I want to say, God's patience is seen in his delayed justice. I know all of us would like to see God implement justice with all the injustice that's going around. But Nahum 1.3 reminds us, the Lord is slow to get angry. Hallelujah. But his power is great. And he never lets the guilty go unpunished. Now we're talking about unsaved people. They're they're going to be punished. He displays his power in the whirlwind and in the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. Aren't you glad that God is slow to get angry? It would be easy to conclude that God God doesn't care about evil because it seems like this planet is full of evil. But I want to remind you what Romans teaches us. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended for you, me, to turn from our sin? Have you ever thought about it that way? But because you're stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For the day of anger is coming when God's righteousness or his righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. One Major passage left, Matthew 13, teaches us what God is doing, why he is not bringing justice right now on sin. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the weeds and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore again, when the weeds appeared as well, and the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. You see, God is patiently waiting for many to make their decision to turn to Him. He is waiting patiently for the saint to turn from their rebellious ways. Remember, He said, come into His presence. He said, if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Can you see the patience of God waiting for the saint come home oh sinner come home that's why he's not bringing judgment god is patiently waiting for your loved ones and my loved ones to make their decision about jesus christ so let's be patient with one another because joshua said not one of the lord's good promises to israel ever failed every Was fulfilled. Everything that he said did come true. Last passage no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Be patient with one another is one of the major building blocks in your life that gives evidence that you love Jesus Christ. How are you doing with your patience? With yourself, with one another, or with God? Would you stand at this time? As we have an invitation. If you're looking in online, you're making a decision for Jesus, if you go to the tag section and fill it out, we'll be sure to get you some information this week about the decision you have made. If you've never been baptized, God has been patiently waiting for you to come publicly and say, okay, I'm gonna identify myself with Jesus. I'm through hiding. He's been patiently waiting for you. You've been impatient with God. Would you confess, God, I'm sorry. I am going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you, Lord. Father, thank you for being a patient God with us individually. Thank you for being patient with us as a nation that you have not destroyed us for how immoral our country has become. But since the foundation of the world, evil has been like a cancer all over the world and you've been patient, waiting for us to come home. Please today, Father, call people home before it's too late. Use this church, use us individually to help someone escape that fire